0: I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around, and now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are, how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, Dave Kittle here. Welcome back to The Dave Kittle Show. Today's episode, how to get the highest valuation for your practice. We have back on the podcast for the second time, Dr. Todd Russell, DDS, dentist, founder and CEO of Empire Dental Arts. You can check him out online at EmpireDentalArts.com. Dr. Todd, what's going on? Hey, Dave. How are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Great to have you back on. We are going to talk about a little bit of your activity, your organization, and how you're seeing things and valuation and much, much more. If you guys didn't listen to the first episode with Dr. Todd Russell on the show here, they have nine locations and probably counting in the Cleveland, Ohio area, correct? Northeast Ohio. Yep. Cleveland area. And those were all, all nine were acquisitions? Yes. And you're super busy with that. And therefore, because of going through all those acquisitions, you are uh, kind of putting them all into your portfolio and you're speaking with many practice owners every day. And one of the big components of interacting with practice owners and understanding their timeline and where they're at in terms of some exit strategy or succession plan, the big component of this, right? is practice valuation. So in terms of the conversation of how practice owners, whether dentists, whether physical therapists, physicians, other practitioners, Dr. Todd Russell, how can they get the highest valuation for their practice?
1: That's a great question, Dave. Let's back up a second. And I want to talk a little bit about the industry in itself because this will build the story on on valuation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen here. And let's see here. I am sharing a PowerPoint here. Um,
0: So if you guys are listening on uh, Apple iTunes or Spotify, jump over to the YouTube. We're going to share some slides here on the screen share on Zoom, and you guys will be able to get a lot more understanding as to what we're talking about.
1: So first of all, and again, these are just summary slides that I've used in the past um, for other presentations. but. You know, We know the dental market is growing, and, and I've got some stats here with some estimates going, this was a 2016 numbers, but showing that the dental care industry is expanding rapidly. So from a seller's perspective, you know that whoever buys your practice is headed for continued stabilization of that practice to some degree. Of course, we want initial stabilization, and that's something we'll talk about in a few minutes. In addition to that, the aging population in the United States, we all know about, we've heard about it time and time again, But this is demonstrating that as adults get older in the older generation, excuse me, they're going to need more and more dental care. They're going to have funds in which to do it. So another great time to be in in the uh, dental space. Additionally, we've been talking about a recession here in our country. More recently, dental has proven time and time again to be a pretty recession-proof industry. So this will help with your valuations, for sure. Uh, these, These stats are wonderful for doctors willing to sell in driving up the valuation, which has happened. Along comes these things called DSOs, dental service organizations, consolidated groups, usually managed by people who aren't dentists. And it's probably time for another podcast on those kinds of things, David. But for good sure. or for bad, I'm a big believer that only us who have been sort of boots on the ground in the clinics really know how to run them. Uh, think back to when Congress passed um, uh, the Healthcare Act uh, it was a bunch of attorneys trying to tell doctors how to how to run medicine, and it just it didn't work it was it was a colossal mistake, and you know we're still living with it today. nonetheless, dental service organizations come in and they say t- they allow you the doctor, to just go ahead and practice essentially but there's a misnomer to that too. there's still some uh, day-to-day management operations things that you have to take care of. current state of dental consolidation is that we expect young dentists we know the young dentists are coming out of dental school with an enormous amount of debt, and therefore, they cannot afford to buy their own practice. So selling docs, you're starting to limit your potential buyers. Those buyers are the larger groups, groups like myself, I be at 9, 10 practices. We're not the biggest, but there are some with several hundred who are gobbling up practices left and right. Those groups are paying the higher valuations anyhow, at least they used to pay the highest then these young dentists, they can't afford to buy your practice. And so consequently, with all their debt, they have to go to work. And along comes the DSO. We offer opportunity for them to work, to gain experience, to pay down their debt. And then maybe in 10 years, they can go out and buy your practice. But if you want to sell now, the DSOs are probably your best opportunity. Where we want to get into the highest valuation and how it's achieved really is demonstrated in this slide. And this is the most important slide for what I just briefly went over. So David, you've probably had practitioners who come along and say things like, hey, my practice is worth a billion dollars. I want to sell it for a billion dollars. Right? They think, oh my God, look at this equipment. It's, it's 35 years old, but it's been well-maintained. Therefore, it's, it's worth a lot of money. Well, doc... A practitioner, I'm sorry to tell you this, but it's not. Multiple reasons why. So number one, make sure that the equipment in your office and everything is up to today's standards, because the young dentists, the ones that are going to take over for you, don't know how to fix that mechanical thing there in the corner, nor do they ever want to learn. They just want it to work. They want technology. Next thing on your evaluation that's very important is what have you done lately? are you still marketing yourself? Were you a 5 day week practitioner and now you're a 3 day week practitioner? I'm not going to pay you for what you used to do. I'm only going to pay you for what I see in front of me now that's being done. So if you're thinking about slowing down and then selling, that idea, sell now and then practice a little bit longer under somebody else's umbrella.
0: Meaning the the trailing 12 months, the most recent 12 months are really, really important for valuation. Really, really important. Really the last three years. Um,
1: But time and time again, I see these doctors that want to go with, hey, my practice used to do a million. Why don't you pay me a million for it? Well, I'm not going to pay a million for it because it's only doing 400,000. And now, quite frankly, it's 400,000. Plus, you've got outdated equipment that's going to cost me 400,000. Why would I pay that? And that leads to return on investment. As an investor... The practice has to turn profitable for me. You as the seller, yeah, you got your money, maybe you don't care, but you should care. Number one, I'm gonna be the steward of your practice, of your patients, of your staff, and the practice should have long-term success. If you expect to sell it to me, leave tomorrow, and not care what happens, don't tell your staff until the last minute, leave right after the sale, I'm not giving you full valuation for it because we've learned that when you, the practitioner, leaves, you are the key person. If you want the, then I'm I'm going to give you a much lower valuation because I know all of those things. Now, if you agree to stay on, then I'm going to come up with ways to incentivize you to continue to produce. For example, something called an earnout. We might agree to the value of your practice, and you agree to stay on for two years, and that's fine. What I'll do is I'll pay you eighty percent of the valuation now, and then you can earn the other twenty percent by maintaining the standard that I bought you at. So if you were a million dollar practice. I expect by the end of the year you have done a million or grown and if you haven't then I get to keep that 10%. So it can hurt it can hurt your pocketbook but I have to protect my investment and I have to achieve that return on investment. Normally when we buy a practice we're looking at a 3 to 5 year return. So if your practice is kicking off 200,000, the top line of this uh, of this graph here, you've got a million dollar practice it's kicking off $200,000 in what we call EBITDA or let's call it Gross profit, and I pay you six hundred thousand dollars for the practice. In three years, I should earn that six hundred thousand dollars back. If it's more than that, then I'm going to pay you less for that practice to try to achieve that three to five year number. Um, And so that does fall to you as the seller to ensure that I'm going to be profitable. If you tell me now you want to leave, more than likely I'm going to walk away. A lot of places will. It's hard to find good associates and sometimes it's hard to find good people, period. We all know the employment crunch that we've all experienced the last couple of years, but it's hard to find good doctors. Um, Young doctors can be great, but they need to be trained. So we're looking for a transition and that will help drive your evaluation up. Any questions, Dave, at this point?
0: Just a recap. If you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, you won't see this chart here with multiples and variables. So the first line here of different revenue targets, revenue numbers right now, if your practice is doing a million dollars in top line revenue, this chart for Dr. Todd and many other groups looking, striving for a 20% EBITDA margin. So again, like you said, basically like gross margin, gross profit, there's net profit and then ad backs. It's, we've done other episodes on it. You could check that out. But basically a top line million dollar practice. It could be dental, it could be physical therapy, whatever it is. If your EBITDA, is calculated at around $200,000 for that size, estimated sale multiple, a multiple of that $200,000 is a three, a three times multiple. So three times the 200,000 is where you get right here on this chart, the estimated sale price, 600,000 for that practice. So a $600,000 sale price for a practice doing a million dollars in revenue. And then it kind of escalates up from there. So if a practice owner is watching this checking this out throughout the whole column of ebitda margin ebitda percentage here is that 20% so is that something that you've created is that something like industry standard for dentistry it's i mean probably it's across healthcare a and a lot of a lot of service based businesses right
1: mm-hmm. yeah that's the benchmark that's that's what we want to achieve you know doing obviously that's what we're looking for in a practice if it's not doing 20% i don't want to buy it if it's not doing 20% Um, then in my own organization, then obviously I got to find a way to fix it. And, you know, sometimes that means uh, me putting on the bootstraps and going into the office and fixing it myself, right, Dave? We we talked about that earlier. So, yeah, this graph is showing uh, sort of that, again, it's a simplified version of what you can expect uh, in the dental industry. So a simple, like you said, the million-dollar practice doing 20% is a $200,000 EBITDA, and it's selling for about three times or about six hundred. A $2 million revenue practice is selling, doing about $400,000 is selling at a four times multiple that doc can reasonably expect to get 1.6. Again, those are, you could make that number higher. You could get a higher multiple. You might have somebody who really wants to be in your space. Maybe you have built out the technology. Maybe you're willing to stay on. You can eke out another four, you know, another half a multiple, maybe, maybe even a, a full multiple by hitting all of these things. So my company, what we tell docs is look, I'll buy your practice. I'll give you a great valuation, but there's several things. Number one, you're going to stay on clinically for 18 months to two years. We'll start to find an associate, but we're going to find an associate after about a year, and there's going to be a slow transition, meaning you're going to go down to part-time. They're going to come in in full-time. You're going to do some teaching, some introductions, so that we can have a, a very easy handoff. That also means that the staff stays. And what we're finding is that the staff are just as important as the doctor. Everybody wants to see the doctor. That's my doc guy or girl, doesn't matter. But more importantly in our world, they want the hygienist. They love the friendly face at the front desk. That's the person who their kids go to school with or whatever. We want those people to stay. We incentivize them. You can only incentivize them so so much, but you know, making sure that they are in the top echelon of the pay grade in their particular job, but also keeping the culture. Is our culture does our culture match up to to that doctor's culture, which is another important thing for me. It's all about culture. Not every company is like that, but mine is. And then furthermore, the doc' staying on, the staff staying on, that maintains everything. Equipment up to date, your system's up to date. Your profit and loss statements up to date. They're clean. We talk about backs. So if you're running your car through it, that's great. I don't care who you're hiding it from. You just got to let us know that's actually those kind of things are actually increase your valuation because we're not going to pay you for your car once we own the company. That's going to be profit to us. And that'll get you higher EBITDA and consequently or potentially a higher multiple. So and the third thing, the last thing, the fourth thing that we're doing is our doctors, we're giving you 80% of value of this in sometimes higher valuation, 80% of cash upon close. The other 20% is rolled and becomes stock in our company. So that and again going to the graph that if you're listening versus watching on YouTube, on the graph further down, it's showing a, a roll-up, showing a roll up of revenue of 30 million dollars. So imagine We are 25 dental practices or 20 dental practices doing combined 30 million in revenue, 20% EBITDA. We're doing $6 million in EBITDA. On the market right now, that's selling for around 11 times. And that's why the big money players are in this thing. It's for the roll-up. It's for these higher multiples. And so you could become a part of that. So if we pay you, if we bought your $3 million practice and we gave you 2.5, we could take your 5 and roll it into the company And you're going to wind up getting a much bigger. You're going to get, you're not going to get five times, you're not going to get 11 times that 500. You've already gotten that is your five times, but you're going to probably triple or quadruple your that money. So we gave you 2.5, and then we hand you in five years a check for another 1.5 million. You did pretty well, and you wind up getting a much bigger multiple by being a part of our program. But it requires you to stay on, it requires you to be a good soldier, you know, step in line with us, help us to run. You're now a partner. And we're seeing that a lot more. Maybe not necessarily in the equity investment side, as I just described, but more in the earn out side or uh, Dave, you and I spoke earlier, some companies are holding money in escrow to make you stay on for a period of time, which is another way to do, but to do it. But ultimately what everyone wants you to do is we need to maintain these practices as they are. So if you're looking to sell, got to get your house in order. It's got to be clean. It's got to be up to date. Your books have to be tight. And then your expectations have to be reasonable. If you want to leave tomorrow, someone will buy it, but expect to not get the full valuation.
0: So in terms of this chart, estimated sale multiple, the multiple increases or it ascends to a greater number with the increase in EBITDA, right? So basically, That's like it, it's a larger practice, right? So it's going to have a larger number, a larger revenue number. Typically, if it's operated well and performs well, then the EBITDA should obviously increase with the growth of that practice, like your practice, like the parent company, right? Mm -hmm. And so therefore, there's more value there in terms of free cash flow and EBITDA, et cetera. So therefore, a larger practice can garner a larger sale multiple. So here's a question. So on this chart, the second line, $2 million practice, $400,000 in EBITDA. And this chart says a 4X multiple. So hypothetically, you and I, we'd be offering that respective practice owner 1.6 million. Mm -hmm. What do you say to a practice owner, Todd? What do you say to them when they say, well, I'm at 2 million at $400,000 in EBITDA, but they want a 6X, they want a 6 multiple on the 400. So then therefore, they're looking for 2.4 million rather than the 1.6. So if you have a practice owner hypothetically demand that, negotiate that, request that. However, they bring it up. If sure. they're looking they're looking for 2.4 in the neighborhood of 1.6, how do you respond? How does negotiations go for something like in that range? Sure.
1: First thing is that's great. We can talk about a higher multiple, but here's the here's the things I'm going to need. I you know, obviously a site visit. Are you are you up to date on your like I said earlier, your technology, are you chartless? Are you fully staffed? I would also tell them, look, you might have to, I want to see growth. So what have you done for the last three years? Have you shown me steady year over year, double digit growth, 10%, whatever it is, that'll factor into a higher multiple. If you are willing to stay on and practice, because you're the key driver to this. So if you want a higher multiple, I'm willing to give it to you, but you've got to stay on longer, and you may not like it. And that's that's the the hard part. You know, many practitioners, especially in my industry, we're kind of solo artists, and so it's hard for others to tell us what to do. I know I have that at times, and you have to be ready for that. So, in order to get that higher valuation, you're going to be expected to stay on. You're going to have to have top-tier equipment, you're going to have to demonstrate that you have had steady, continuous growth year after year. And I'll buy into that. I'll pay you more. Now, I'm going to put some other conditions on that money, though. I'm probably going to put an earn out on it. I'm going to say, sure, 2.4. I'll give you 1.6. You're going to roll $400,000 into my company. Now you have shares, $400,000 worth of shares in my company. And your other 400, I'll give you 200, you know, 100 each of the next four years. And as long as the company does a 5% annual growth, so you, you're not necessarily going away. That's the way you're going to get that higher multiple. There are other ways. Another way is to consolidate, be part of a consolidated group. I know of a, of a gentleman in the state of Ohio that's putting together a group like this. He's taking these two or $3 million practices spread out throughout the state and saying, hey, come under our umbrella. We'll package all of you together. And we'll get to this $30 million line as a collective group, a $6 million total EBITDA, and we'll take it to market and everybody will sell together without ever having worked together. We're all going to mm. be now sold to somebody. You can do that and you'll get, you'll get 11 times your, well, which you won't get 11 times your money. The group will get 11 times, but remember, the broker is going to take a chunk of that. They're probably going to get, you're probably going to get nine times. But if I'm telling you right now in your $3 million practice, you get five times, but if you're part of a consolidated group, you can
0: get nine times. You take that all day, every day. But it, it depends on the size of the practice, sure, sure. The, the size of the group, right? right. And then how, how much cost savings can you measure there? How, like, are there synergies or not? Are they all independent? Exactly. You know, someone who buys that, they might want all the backend and all the, all the technology and everything to be integrated across all those offices. So then that might take a multiple hit.
1: You got it. You got it. It might not get done. And it's exactly what's going to happen. Now everybody's on the same software. So like I said, 11 times might be the, and that might be the pot of gold down the rainbow, but let's say it's, it nets at 10 and a half, cause they're going to take a half multiple and have to do all that integration. Right. And they might be a group that buys this consolidated group out of California. And they're trying to put, put a foothold in Ohio, which happens to be a very friendly state for this type of um, medical practice. So they'll knock it down a little bit here and then the broker will take a piece, but you're still getting, you're still going to have to stay on for X number of years. There'll still be money put in escrow. You won't have to buy, probably won't have equity in the company, but there'll be money put in escrow to ensure that you stay on. And if you leave before that, then the money stays with the parent company. Again, in escrow is key there because we know that it's paid for because what you as the seller want to make sure is if the parent company does go belly up for whatever reason, highly unlikely in dentistry, but if it does, at least you know your money's still there. It's been paid out, and it's held you know until the the terms are met so anyhow that's that's a a less likely scenario these days. It's more about the individual practice being bought by these consolidating groups and actually having ownership for a period of time so that they can generate the revenue and add to it that should say their their methodologies in order to drive the EBITDA up um, you know um, some people are afraid that it's always going to be cutting. Staff, I think I explained that. My company won't do that. We don't cut staff. We want them to stay. We encourage them to stay. In fact, I ask them to stay for a year, demonstrating, trying to demonstrate that my culture is good. Uh, We want the patients to stay. So we hope that when we do acquire somebody, there are some things that are missing from the practice. Maybe they are a little bit older and they haven't completely brought in all the technology. We're going to bring all that in. So...
0: What are your thoughts? Because we're talking a lot about multiples and and valuation here, which is important. So what are your thoughts on these independent business valuations or independent business appraisals? And I've heard or or spoken to some practice owners and even other individuals uh, in the pre-interviews when doing these interviews here on the show, whether it's an independent business appraisal or maybe it's the broker coming up with this asking price. And there's arguably a... You know, maybe it's an inflated adjusted EBITDA or this or that, or they're or they're looking for just like a large multiple number, like if it's a million dollar revenue practice, like here, so on the chart, top line revenue of a million, but the broker came up with an asking price that is maybe in the four to seven range. Yeah. Sometimes the gap is just too big to overcome, but like how do you how do you navigate that? And really I wanted to ask you back to the beginning of this question. In terms of your thoughts around independent business appraisals, whether they're done externally or performed by a broker?
1: Well, it all depends how they're done, right? You knew that was going to be the answer. So it used to be there were these crazy formulas to determine valuation of dental practices. I had one done a number of years ago before I sold my first practice. Any more company valuations are done via the EBITDA model. That's really what it comes down to. And so, if an independent broker or an independent valuation person is doing it, this is how they have to do it. This is kind of the, the standard now on how we value. The multiple, the even a number, it's going to be torn apart. Everybody's going to want to dive into it and do their own valuation no matter what. I would not spend a lot of money to have a valuation done independently. I would... Use your accountant. I would maybe talk to a broker who's going to list it for you. Make certain that they're going to use this model or something similar. A broker is also going to be just like a a real estate broker. Think residential homes. They're going to use what has been sold in the other in the market, right? As a as a, a to pigeonhole kind yeah. of, comps you know, comparables. Yeah, comps. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking yeah. for. We don't see a lot of that in dental, but it still can help. But nonetheless, if the valuations have to be done this way anyone who is buying, especially these consolidated groups, are buying it based on the EBITDA and then a multiple thereafter. And like we just talked, the the multiples I'm demonstrating on this this, um, this grid that I have here, these are, you know, I wouldn't call them perfect, but they're kind of ballparked, right? You know, three times on 200,000 is about where it should be. Some might get 3.5, 3.75, as we discussed earlier. So a broker, I would trust a lot more than I would necessarily an independent valuator, And the question I have for an independent evaluator is, well, who are you? Check in their background. If you're going to go that route and pay somebody to do this, what's their background? If they said they worked for Bank of America and they used to do dental loans, I'm going to question it, especially in my space. Dental is a different beast. I had one friend, one say, two friends, one said, dental's different. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. And the other person said, wow, this is why the multiples are so high in dental because this stuff is really hard. So make certain that the independent valuator, valuer knows the industry. But again, guys like me, my team, companies like mine, we're going to do our own valuation. Another thing that could help is quality of earnings. We run our own depending upon the size of the practice. Sometimes banks require it. If you're familiar with the accounting terms, there's quality of earnings, there's a, a review, and then there's a full audit. Each one costs more and more and more. The quality of earnings is where the accountant is going to dive through all of your data, your credit card statements, all that stuff, and help you to pull out those things that will be add back and make certain that your profit and loss categories are correct. I would spend money there rather than on an independent valuator, because then that's going to give me the true EBITDA number, know that everybody else out there is valuating based on a multiple of EBITDA. So why not get the number as realistically as we can. And then you can start to take it to to market and you can negotiate your
0: multiple from there. Going back to the headline of the episode of how to get the largest number, the largest valuation for your practice, you had mentioned in a hypothetical, you know, you'll pay the practice owner 80% of what they're looking for, depending on what they're looking for, but maybe 80% of what they're looking for, 80% cash of close, and then 20% either seller finance, or you're rolling back into the as stock. So, so I just want to make some differentiation there, right? So like one would be, yeah, into the parent company. So one would be 80% paid at cash a close, and you said 20%. And then you said something like 100 grand each year for the next four years. So, so, yeah,
1: so two different things there, right? So one yeah. might be money held in escrow, and then you have, it's sort of an, it's an earn out. So we'll hold, let's say we'll hold for the next four years, we'll hold $400,000 off the purchase price. And each year you can get $100,000. So you want that um, second line there. You want $2 million for your practice doing 2 million. I'm telling you, I'm only willing to pay 1.6. I'll give you two. I'll give you 1.6 now. And over the next four years, you can get a hundred, but the practice has to do 2 million or more each of those years, or it has to do, Two million one in the first year, and two million two in the second year, and two million. So there's there's an earn out that way. So eventually you just get all your cash, but it means you're staying on for that period of time. If you leave, the
0: deal's done. The cash is paid, even if it's not fully paid out. So the, the practice owner, whether there's a physical therapist or a dentist, they're being paid separately as a salary, right? W-2 employee,
1: Right. A Plus W-2 that.
0: salary. So there's like the employment agreement. And then there's this, they're they're also Correct. getting 100K. So that it, would they be getting, and maybe it just depends on the deal and all these deals, like there's, you can get so creative, right? So are they getting that as a monthly payment, as a quarterly payment? As just a at the end of the last day of the year, are they getting hundred grand wired to them? Like yeah, the-
1: yeah, it would all depend. You know what? That's just you would negotiate that. You could do it quarterly. You, you know, you could do it if, if what I would do is hundred grand a year and just say that it, it's paid within the first ninety days of the next year, right? Because we got to close the books. So you got to go through all that stuff to make sure that yeah, we did two point one. Okay, release the money. It just you know, the dental software reporting isn't nearly as good as the accountants are with with QuickBooks and and programs of the like, right? And that just takes time. If I were doing it, I would put in that those things would be paid out 90 days after close of the year rather than quarterly.
0: And then a a separate way to take that 20%. So in that example of they want 2 million and we think it's only worth 1.6 million. So you take that 400K, off the table. So eighty percent paid cash a close. That other twenty percent, if it's rolled in, rolled in equity into your parent company, mm-hmm. they're not seeing that cash until what event? Until you guys get acquired right. by a bigger buyer? Correct. So until we're I mean, ready to I just, just, ad- just want to clarify right. for the audience. Yep. No,
1: no. So in one situation, you get all of your money as long as, and you get nothing more. If it's if we said it's. on close, and then it's 100 each year for four years. As long as the practice grows by 10% or whatever each year you trigger, that triggers your payout. The other way is that you become a partner. That's what you're doing. You're becoming an equity partner. So now we would hope by you being an equity partner that you would want to drive the valuation of your practice up more than what we bought it for because your 400 is now, let's say you, they were $1,000 a share, Right. So you had 400000 So you had all these shares. Well, we want to sell for, for $3,000 a share in three years. So we got to go out and buy more practices, drive up our gross revenue as a group, ultimately get the best EBITDA we can through cost controls and, and driving the revenue up. And now your thousand dollars share that you bought in is now worth three thousand. Now there's an exit. The parent company, my parent company, decides to sell to the bigger fish in the sea. We all agree to three thousand dollars a share, and boom, everybody gets paid out. And you'll get that less, you know, less some costs and legal costs and all that kind of stuff. But you might get
0: tax taxes all that. Yeah,
1: well then, yeah, taxes are on you, right? But (laughs) there's always some, you know, there's always some little vig thrown in there. Everybody gets a piece of the pie, but. We sell it for, you buy it for a thousand, we sell it for three thousand. You might net, you know, 2,900 per share, you know, expect that as well. But hey, okay, so if you invested $400,000 in the company in three years from, so I gave you 1.6, right? I valued it at 2 million. I gave you 1.6. I took your 400, you bought the shares at a thousand dollars. I turn around and sell the 400,000, $400, you had at $3,000 a share. That's one, that's 1.2. So what you wound up getting is $2.8 million. You didn't get two. You didn't get the 1.6, which was really what it was worth. You actually got 2.8. And that's, that's the proposition that I'm presenting to these doctors. And that's how I'm keeping them producing for me and being a part of the greater good, if you will, of my organization.
0: So then, yeah. these practitioners, these dentists, these owners, they have to really know you, like you, and trust you. The whole organization to roll in. I mean, 20% is for most professionals, most practitioners. Like, if it's 400K, like, that's, I think, fairly meaningful. And then if you're talking about what was the number turning that 400K and you say 1.2? So
1: 1.2. Yeah, let's say. Yep,
0: 1.2. Yeah. So, like, that's then becomes even more of a larger number for someone who, wherever they're at now, if they're exiting, they're selling their practice and they're kind of partnering with you guys. And then that liquidity event of being acquired in the future could be what five for seven or more years down the road, so like that, yeah, that could be yeah. even into the future. So they have to really be on board with what you're doing, right?
1: Yeah, it used to be our industry used to look at it was a seven year hold in the let's call it private equity private investment space in dental, um, and then it dropped to about a couple, probably about four or five years ago, it dropped to a five year hold. Now, we're seeing deals in. You know, every 36 months, somebody's turning over the cash. And we're seeing a lot. There's a lot of capital out there for what I'm doing. I more recently decided to go out and just kind of find out what cash I could get if I wanted to. And it took me about five phone calls to raise um, over $10 million. Because and
0: that was with lenders or PE firms or what? No,
1: no, just private individuals.
0: Just high net worth individuals.
1: Yep. Looking for places to put their money knowing that things are changing with our current economic state. Here's an industry everybody knows to be safe and secure. It's a three to five year hold. They're happy to ride out the storm in our
0: space. I know a lot of healthcare is very stable. I thought that I had heard something on the news during COVID that people were delaying their, their dental visits. Like, checkups and annual cleaning and obviously those things were probably delayed during 2020 and 2021 and if someone had if someone needed physical therapy like if they had acute back pain or sciatica they would arguably need or get that addressed sooner rather than something dental so maybe it just depends on what's kind of like elective versus like if you have like a sharp you know a sharp nerve pain in your tooth or or you know you crack a crown or like a lot of those things i guess need to be addressed right away
1: so first of all, if you're having pain, please call your doc. Go go <laughs> in. Like, don't wait. It doesn't go away. It only gets worse. It gets worse. It gets more painful. It costs more. Um, so it's funny. Um, you know, I guess we can call this a little bit of self-promotion here, but go to our website, EmpireDentalArts.com. Uh, there's a blog on there. I actually did a piece on uh, COVID and um, not seeing your dentist during that time. The answer to your question is yes. There were people who did definitely did delay. But here's my answer. First of all, I have not seen, nor read about, nor heard about a patient contracting COVID from a dental provider, nor have any of our employees contracted, that we know of, contracted COVID from a patient. Why? In the medical space, we have been practicing universal precautions since I've been a dentist, since I started dental school. So it's safe. It's a clean environment. We are always cleaning things. We are always sterilizing things. So you shouldn't be afraid. And so while everybody was, then everybody started coming back. And now it's, it's a boom town. You know, people, COVID, if anything, drove people more and more to understanding their overall health, dental being a part of it. A lot of uh, medical insurance companies now are requiring you as part of your like good, good patient category where you can actually pay the lower premium. It's by going to the eye doctor and to the dentist and having those documents signed off. Because everybody knows the mouth is a window on the health of the rest of the body. So come on in. Yes, it did affect us short term, David, but it hasn't now. In fact, honestly, I know there was, I read some about a, a more recent COVID surge. And I actually think we did, have, we did have one of our staff members in one of our offices recently come down with it. But she went on vacation. She was traveling. She came home two days later. She was sick. So it didn't come
0: from the office. Makes sense. A lot of, Dentists and hygienists have been wearing masks before, you know, masks were really common. So it makes a lot of sense. Either way, healthcare stable. So physical therapy, dentistry, we're all in a in a safe community where we supply value to the community, like in terms of our local communities and impact and all that. Dr. Todd, I don't want to take too much of your time. You've been very gracious with your time here. Guys, check out empiredentalarts.com online. And if you are a practice owner in the state of Ohio or, or what, uh, further out, like, are you looking for owners to contact you in in the Midwest? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yes, we are looking in the Northeast Ohio region. So Cleveland Market, north of Akron, east of Sandusky. So if you're familiar with the state of Ohio, that upper, that upper corner there, Lake Erie is just north of us. So yeah, I don't have delusions of going beyond that. I guess
0: so you're, you're a really a really tight focus. You you're not looking for practice yeah. owners to reach out to you from other states or anything I like mean, that. I mean, certainly
1: if somebody wants to talk to me, I'm happy to be a consultant for somebody. I've done that. I'm happy to do evaluations. Obviously, it's my time, so we'll we'll discuss uh, how that works as far as compensation goes, but you know, I'm well versed in this. I've been a practice owner, I've been an associate, I've worked for a DSO, I created my own dental partnership organization. So, I've got a lot of um ammo, if you will, to talk about this with anybody. So certainly empiredentalarts.com. My email is DTR at empiredentalarts.com. Feel free to reach out to me that way. Like I said, I'd be happy to talk to anybody. And the other, one of the unique things that I'm doing in the reason why I'm staying in Northeast Ohio is I discovered some of my some of the people in our space. You know, they're they they decide to come to Ohio, so they buy a practice in Dayton. Well, the regional director's in Pittsburgh. That's the next level of management. And it's very difficult to manage from afar. I'm a big believer in boots on the ground. Remember what I said? If you don't know dental, you're in for something. Boots on the ground are really important in my space. So what we've done is we buy practices in relative proximity, not right on top of each other, but 10, 15, 20 mile radius. And then they co-support each other. Easy to have management present when needed, easy to adjust to supply
0: Our coverage and
1: holidays and you got it. Yep. The whole front staff. We've got doctors that do certain specialties and you refer in-house, you know, all the records are up on the cloud, it's easy to download. And we're we're finding that 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 saves us a a lot of money. And it also makes the patients feel like they're well cared for. They know that they're within the family and that the culture is the same across the organization. So anyhow, just a a little, again, self-promotion there.
0: No, I I love the self-promotion. If Here's mine, ready? If you're a practice owner, if you're a healthcare practitioner, send this episode. If you find it valuable, copy the link of this episode, the YouTube, the, the YouTube link, the iTunes, Spotify, copy it and send it in an email or text to a colleague, a friend, a buddy from school, someone you met at a conference, someone that you met at some continuing education course. Send it to someone who is business minded wants to learn more about valuations and practices and exiting and succession planning exit strategy negotiation all this type of stuff send it to someone that you think would find it valuable the way that hopefully you found it valuable rate review subscribe so you'll get the published episodes as they are put out into the internet that is all for me now Dave Kittle here on the Dave Kittle show Dr. Todd Russell thank you so much
1: you're welcome David it's great spending time with you and I really thank you for the opportunity Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at Dave at com. That's D-A-V-E at C O N c-i-e-r-g-e painrelief.com or you can call me at any time 646-781-8884